The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the second episode of Bill Don't Lie. Ryan Rosillo in town. Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise, I guess, for, for both of us, but it worked out. great. Yeah. I saw your name on Craigslist. We were shopping for the same. No, no. Actually, <laughs> actually, we were emailing, and you said you were here, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Uh, this is not a BS report. Officially, next week, Bill Don't Lie will have its own iTunes and artwork and all that stuff. It will not be a BS report, but right now we're running it on the BS report. Really? I know it's think, confusing. If you think about the titles, there's the complete opposites. It's pretty yeah. clever by you. Well, it was almost NBA holes. But then it was Bill Don't Lie. Under the Grantland thing is Disney, you know. Well, yeah, but with the BS report and NBA holes, it makes it sound like I have a poop fetish or something. So yeah. I feel good about Germans Bill Germans do. German, Germans have poop yeah. fetish. And yeah. people from Florida. Right. I don't know if you've read the Michael Lewis book, but they talk a lot about that. Interesting. Yeah. Germans. Yeah, that's really weird. A lot of their terminology is based on poop and poop history. Uh, it's in, I think it's Boomerang. It's a, it's a really good book. Dirk Nowitzki. I'll have to ask them next time I have the beer. Yeah, no, there's all sorts of – I think they have more sayings for it than any other country. And So we're taping this on a Monday afternoon, 7 o'clock Eastern time. So I hope nothing happens in the NBA tonight that will render one of these uh, points irrelevant. But we were going to talk about the West first. It's insane. I mean this isn't anything new. But hold on. I'll, hot take. Is it that insane? Yes. Think is about that, how many teams Dallas are there. even that good? What about Oklahoma City if Ibaka misses the rest of the season and Durant? Like, are these teams even that good? Okay, I, I think that if the Oklahoma City thing, which it's, it's pointless for me to say if it all works out, because at this point it's almost never worked out for them heading into the playoffs. Dallas, I think, does some things really well. Obviously, the offense has been different now since they've tried to figure out the Rondo thing, oh, which has uh, been a disaster. But I do think when you look at the competitiveness, and, and I guess I always look at this from the, the radio topic thing, right? right? Where we do this thing with guys that are stars and faces of franchises where if they don't go far in the playoffs, and Chris Paul is the poster boy for this, you start doing the what's wrong with Chris Paul. Yeah. Say the Spurs come out of the West. I'm not ready to say that yet, but the Tony Parker stuff looks better now in the last few weeks. It does. If Golden State doesn't come out, it's going to go, you know, you can't win that way. I mean, people still can't believe that they're the best defensive team in the NBA. People refuse to even look it up. They're like, no, this is two years now. If Memphis doesn't get out, well, can they really score enough? It'll be, oh, Harden, yeah, they, they shoot a lot of threes, but no, that doesn't work. And then you Dork have the Elvis is regular right. season only. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So what will happen is you'll have like four or five different storylines talking about the failures of how these teams are built. And what I would argue is that you just have to look at it differently, that that's how special this West is potentially with this many teams that could lose in first-round matchups. Yeah, I'm still crossing up Portland. I know they won a couple without Wesley Matthews, but I just don't think they can win three straight playoff series with Wesley Ma- without Wesley Matthews. He's their tough guy. And yeah. Every one of those teams kind of has one. That's what Draymond Green is to the Warriors. Yeah. And you talk about like— Jay what- Crowder to the Celtics. Exactly. He'll mix it up with anybody. Can I ask you a serious question? Yes. Is this starting to remind you of the 2001 Pats at all? No. Not at all? <laughs> I can't believe Brad this Stevens, close to the playoffs. Brad Stevens, Bill Belichick— Isaiah Thomas, Tom Brady, <laughs> Brandon Bass, Antoine Smith. I think they let Thomas do more than Brady did on that 2001 Pats team. Tyler Zeller. Come on. Ty Law. No. They're both named Ty. Who's, who's Jermaine Wiggins? <laughs> uh, Phil Pressey? 
Maybe. I liked Presley. I saw him in practice once when I went to Mizzou. Evan Turner, David Givensy a little bit, maybe? No, no. no. David, Givens, David Patton? Givens had a great first down ratio of catches. I don't even think David Givens was on that team. Who were the receivers in that yeah, team? Yeah, Givens was a little bit later. Troy it Brown was, David was on pa- it. Oh, Troy Brown. David Patton. So maybe Isaiah Thomas is the Troy Brown. That that makes a little bit more sense because Troy was. I remember that Pittsburgh game. He was he was everything. Okay, so fine. Marcus Smart is Tom Brady, first year starters. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone counting him out. Yeah, they well they got to go on. A, the, the run has been nice recently. I couldn't even watch Celtics games. There was about a month and a half there where I just went. You know what? I just can't do it anymore. Really? I can't because it's. I never gave up. It. I know you have. I love Brad Stevens. I'm with you. At He's the very awesome. least, like the plays out of the timeouts were always made the Celtics worth watching. Right. The Marcus Smart play the other day. I was watching him the other night. I go, you know, there's not one guy on the Celtics team. This would be hard to do. Be like, yeah. I'm going to be a GM and I'm going to put together a team that has almost no one you'd want to start on a good team. It's all 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, and 11th men. Right. And I'm, Literally. Not, I'm not knocking Ainge because we all get the big picture here in the plan. Yeah. I more, I have more of a problem with the league and that the Celtics have had, I think, 39 guys on the roster in the last two years. And yeah. there's all these insane trades where nobody knows who anybody is as far as the moving parts. And most of the teams don't even want 80% of the names. You know, This is a thing where I could just go on a rant. We've all accepted that the salaries have to match up to a certain point. Just make it easier. Who cares? If you want to trade Garnett for a first-round pick, just let him do it. Um, but that's another rant altogether. But the Celtics have— a So con- you would get rid of the 75% yes. within the salary rule? Yeah. You would change it to like 50%? I'd change it to 0%. Why? Change it to 0%. Why? It's only set up so the owners don't have to pay more. So— if the Clippers, wow, that's, I never really thought. I'm so used to this world. We've accepted it, right? And I argue with guys in our hallways about it, and they're like, "No, it doesn't work that way." I'm like, "Don't like, I'm not just a guy here. Like, this is stuff we've all studied. Why can't they just do that? Why that's is it have- interesting? Because like in my trade value column, which part two is running on Tuesday, I've destroyed your whole world. Part three is running Tuesday. <laughs> well, it always like the rule is like for one day you can make any trade, but maybe that's just how it should be. Why? Why can't it be that way? Is it because I mean, I honestly think it was set up so that you wouldn't have. You know, Cuban, when he first came in and everybody was freaked out, oh, he's just going to have a hundred-something million dollar payroll. Somebody's going to have Portland again. If you're the owner and you want to take on the money and you have the cap space, especially with everything that's happening, why shouldn't you just be able to – why can't you just trade a young rookie guy that, you know, maybe is a 20th pick as a role guy to a team with a veteran? I just always use Garnett as that, as that example. Plenty of teams would have liked to trade for Garnett. Garnett, the Clippers would have loved – but they had nothing to give up. So not saying they have any picks left because that's obviously going to Boston. But just in the future, if they'd had a first rounder, they go, ah, we'll just throw you a first rounder. Where the Celtics have to sign Keith Bogans for a year for $5 million just to make the trade work. Right. When you have, like, if you go through all the Celtics trades in the last 12 months, look at the names. And this year, I think it was at one stretch, eight of the guys, I think only one of, I think Jay Crowder's one of the only guys, I mean, Brandon Wright. Was, they didn't even want him. They won the, they won the Rondo trade, just Jay Crowder for Rondo straight up. What were the heads of that? Not I. Would you rather have Jake Crowder or Rondo? I'd rather have Jake Crowder. What the hell is going on? No, and look, I think if we're going to do a little Celtics thing, Bass would play on a good team. You'd want him. You know, you'd want But like you were saying how they didn't have anyone who could start. Like, they shot Bass for three months, and nobody wanted him. And I'm sitting there going, great teammate. Can come off the bench, can guard two positions. Like right, can hit that big shot. Games. You can trust him to hit a yeah, shot. He's a great eighteen foot shooter. Like why wouldn't teams want him? Some Celtics fans get upset when I, I sent out a tweet saying this is remarkable that it's it's basically all role players. But there are five or six guys that would well, play they are minutes. Role yeah, yeah, I mean they're just and Marcus Smart's the most valuable guy because we don't know what he can't do yet. Hey, you haven't watched Cody, uh, Tyler Zeller lately? No, Zeller. He might be a max guy. Yeah, this. Well, when is he? Is he going to opt out? <laughs> he might have to. He's got eighty million waiting for him. 
No, they do have they have in it, more guys who would be really helpful bench guys for a good team. But that's their entire team than any team I've ever seen in my life. They have like literally nine role players. If but you, that's their rotation. If you had a three-year plan of saying we just want rotation guys, it'd be hard to pull off what Ainge has pulled off. I said to my my dad was here this week, and I said to my dad, I was like, "We're right there. We just need a franchise guy <laughs> and a second best guy. Yeah, that's we it. have all the other guys. Two top ten players. They'll yeah, be rolling. That's, it. that's all we need. It's I like, also I also wonder like Ainge, knowing him over the years, he was always the guy I would rather trade for a player than wait for free agency. And it's a good theory. And his theory goes, at least I know exactly what I'm getting as opposed to having you know, tickets to something I may not know if I'm going to get into. And with the Celtics, you know, I, I know it's shocking to us that it's not a destination city. Right. But, but, well, the good news is at least they're fun to watch now. Isaiah Thomas has made them fun to watch. Like right. the, and the Thomas is a starter, been, starter on a team. Yeah, but I think the crowds have been good, though. Yeah. Look, that, that fan base through some of the thin years has, has always been pretty remarkable. If but, they beat Philly tonight, which I think they will, and they win in Oklahoma City on Wednesday night. Oh, so you're really doing this. Oh, I've been scoreboard watching for like three weeks. <laughs> I was on my iPhone at a Kings game. So you game. want them in the playoffs? 100%. But this is What's a- the difference between the 10th pick and the 15th pick? What, what, are they going to make or break the franchise? I want these guys to be in the playoffs. Justice Winslow or a European? They don't take Europeans. Like We, we did this thing in South by Southwest with, with uh, Abaka. He premiered this film that's going to end up on Grail in a week from now. And spent time with them on a podcast, spent time at the thing, and then spent like time with them. I really liked them, but way more basketball sophisticated than I was prepared for. Like, he could be on, like, a studio show, like, talking about stuff. But he was saying how, um, like, that 2012 finals, which they're all, like, kind of bitter about because they were th- right there the first four games. And he was just like um, – Right, that's the closest five-game series. Yeah, they got blown out in game five, but right. the first four were, like, each game was one play. And I'm not going to do his accent, but he was basically saying like... <laughs> you don't want to try? He's, he's like, we did not have the experience yet. We just did not did not know what to do in the, at the end of the game. He was actually pretty bad defensively in that series. Yeah, all of them. Harden, yeah. was, Harden had deer in the headlights. Durant made a big mistake, I think, in game one. But like, they didn't know yet. And from that finals, it was like, okay, we lived through that. Here's what we learned. And I think even if the Celtics, you know, they play Atlanta in round one... They take him to six, and Marcus Smart learns three <laughs> things, and that's a good thing for them. See, you've always been a big fan of the playoff experience carrying over, I more am, so than I, I am, when I know you have no shot to do anything in the playoffs. I just think it's good to get reps in anything. And I mean, we, both of us have had that experience, right? Like, it, the more you do anything, you're going to get better at it. And for that team and for Stevens, I also think Stevens is a freaking Jedi. He's awesome. I think he's an amazing coach. Like, they traded Rondo and Jeff Green and got better. That right. makes no sense whatsoever. They gutted the team. No, and to see them, I can't believe we're doing this much Celtics. Although I, I love be it, too I, I, yeah, I can't do enough. Um, Everyone in Grantland's making fun of me. But but you see bad teams around the league every year, and you go, these guys haven't cared about a game in 30, 40 games. Denver was like Denver shock. I, I, I saw a Denver game live against the oh, Pacers. Oh God, Malin. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was a disgusting game. I don't even yeah. know if it totaled one sixty, but. When I watch the Celtics, I go, you know, this is – and I, I took a month off from him, but watching him now, again, this run has been good. You just see that Stevens – and that's why I got a six-year deal because you go, we're gutting this thing. We're going to try to figure it out, and the team made a six-year commitment to him, and they have a heck of a coach. It just has it just has to mean one of those draft picks has to hit. But I also could see the Celtics doing the thing a year ahead of time where they go, if we have money now, 
let's go ahead and do it. Because 2016. They're gonna go, yeah. They're going to go hard after Kevin Love. Right. And I think that they're just. I think just, they'll get creative with Kawhi, Kawhi potentially. And all these teams that are going to sit around going 2016, 2016, that probably puts you in a pool of more potential losses. If yeah. everybody's doing it and everybody has the bump in cap space, then I think Ainge is the kind of guy that says, let's just do this a year ahead of everybody else instead of competing with L.A. and New York. Tobias Harris, I like a lot. Like they, I like you Harris. looking at all those type of guys where you overpay them a little bit to try to get them because you have the cap space. The overpaying thing is something I know that kind of drives us crazy because it's just, it's just the demand. It's just what it is. So right. if you're a, a smart front office and you say, okay, this guy's worth $12 million a year, so we're not going over twelve. Well, that means you're not going to get them. Yeah. So are, are you smarter because you didn't spend three extra million a year? Because now it means you're not going to be able to get anybody. And well, that's like why the market's so screwed up. If you're, if you're buying a car right now, let's say you want to get a sports car. You're going to buy like a BMW or something. You pay, so you're going to pay like 60 grand. But you also know that if you just wait four months and somebody's going to return the car, they're not going to like it or they didn't use it for a year, you could get the same car for like 40 grand. But – there's something about the new car. And the same thing is with free agency. Absolutely. Right. Teams are like, ah, I really need a forward. Ah, Tobias Harris, ah, here's $80 million. Take <laughs> or, it. Or, or Reggie Jackson at $15 million a well, year. Well, that ship sailed, though. Right. But I'm just saying, like that was the stuff that's being floated out there. And I couldn't believe – Draymond's terrific. But you Draymond's go, getting the max. He's going to get – and you go, wow, he's, he's going to get the max. And I think Golden State's going to go ahead. And, Do you think Jay Crowder will get the max if the Celtics make the finals? I think he will. Yeah. I actually think he'll be like the Draymond alternative. I could see that. I could definitely see that happen. They may you know, maybe petition the league for a sixth year. <laughs> the crazy we, thing about the Celts is they blew the sixth year. Uh, <laughs> the crazy thing is they blew so many games those first two months. Like they really should be over five hundred. How many games did they lose in the last minute? Because Rondo has no idea what to do in crunch time because he can't get to the line or shoot threes, which all of us knew, but we didn't want to admit. No, I admitted it. I admitted you it. You did. A lot. I didn't want to admit it. I love Rondo. Right. See, I was, I was like, no, he's gonna be fine. He's just gotta feel his knee out. Remember though, I was the guy living in Boston when they were making the championship run. Going, Pierce is great, but he's not top five, and everybody Ooh. freaks out. Okay, and Rondo was always really good, and he yeah. was always an acquired kind of taste. You had to watch him to really understand the impact you have on games. But I don't know what he had been doing the last few years. He wasn't playing any defense, and then admitted it after everybody would argue with you about it when you go, "This guy's not playing defense anymore." Yeah, and then he went on these stretches of just, "I'm going to pass for a week straight." The beefing up the assist <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, national. We're with a noon ABC. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to try to get 15 dimes tonight. He also. He had high-impact performances that really resonated with people. The Chicago but they, playoff series. Yeah, but they forgot like some of the other low-impact performances, like when the team lost in Game 7 to the Magic in 2009 because Rondo showed up 40 minutes before the game. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he, was, he had a bad series. I believe. He I showed up he... late twice in that series okay. for games. When you get to hear something like that, like how bad do you want to talk about it in the moment? Or did you only hear about Rondo showing up late? No, I, I heard about that when it happened. It was two different times. So, two. so one of did them you get any more of the backstory? Well, they wanted to trade him that summer because he screwed the, the the guys were mad at him. Now, do you have any idea why he was late or anything like that, or is it just he was late? Traffic or whatever. Yeah. I think he was going through. It was like that younger brother in the family with the older brother starting to act out a little bit. Um, I you know he's kind of especially after the Chicago series start to feel like this is becoming my team a little bit but well, you have all these old yeah. veterans who are just like no it's our team go away little brother he has no idea how lucky he was though that he was with stars Luckiest. that that didn't care anymore that just would kind of laugh at him like the younger brother because they had already been through it all they all had their reps they were trying to get a ring whereas if you put Ronda with younger stars 
that would have been a disaster. But I was hoping for something more salacious. They had, I'd been told once oh, that Ricky Davis was supposed to show up to something uh, in Miami for some event. Was yeah. actually supposed to show up to an event. It was part of the team thing. We're going. This is a big deal. You got to show up to this. And he goes, "No, it's not happening." I, I put like thirty grand down on a yacht for a party, and I'm not, I'm not missing that. I can't He's get that best. deposit back. So he was he was out on whatever they were supposed to do. That's when people are studying Paul Pierce's career stats, <laughs> and they notice like this weird, inexplicable swoon during the time when Ricky Davis passed through his life. It wasn't an accident. But no. you know, back to um. Back to uh, Ainge and the assets thing. And I swear we're going to circle this back you to the promise? at some point. But you were like, I don't know what Ainge is doing. I actually think I, I do know what Ainge is doing. He is always about – he makes trades and he's always about, am I getting the better asset in the trade? Because he's like, until they have a really good team. Did I say I don't know what he's doing? No, you were like, it's some people – no, you said people can't figure out what right. Ainge is doing sometimes. Because yeah, he just seems like he's making these trades. Because like, I don't want to ever make it sound like I'm, I'm criticizing. No, here. you were not criticizing. All, I totally get what he's doing. I totally but get what he's doing. But people got confused where you would trade Jeff Green for a first-round pick, but then you would trade a first-round pick for Isaiah Thomas. And I got in those emails. People were like, what the hell is that? Are we – which way are we going? And it's like – I just think they look at it like assets. Yeah, Thomas is a they guy on a good contract. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, we like this Isaiah Thomas more than this pick. Trade. We like this pick more than Jeff Green. Trade. And right. that and that's how they're putting the team together, which I really respect. And I think Belichick is the same way. Where Belichick, the pattern of his decisions after all these years, they just – we know now. He's like clearly he didn't thought Vince Wilfork was done. Got, cut him. Could have had him back for $5 million a year? No thanks. And what are the odds of Vince Wilford being good next year? Because Belichick, when he cuts the court, he's always right. You're right. Think about the Richard Seymour years. deal. All these guys. Seymour was a first-round pick. Willie McGinnis, all these guys. It's like when he when he cuts the court, they're never the same. I do worry about Belichick drafting corners, though. He's had a he's had a tough run of that. Corners yeah. and wide receivers. Yeah, and you know the Revis thing allowed him to do things last year that he just hasn't been able to do on defense in such a long time. But it was funny how the Revis thing kept playing out, and this actually can transition into the Kevin Love discussion that I know we yeah, want to yeah. have. But when I say we do this thing, I'm talking about all of us, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. all of us, and how we. We try to think like that person, and you go, Revis, okay, he got all those contract extensions. He got the more guaranteed money. I mean, that thing with the Jets was a nightmare his first few years in the league. I mean, yep. Every year, you're like, come on with this guy. Then he gets the guaranteed money. Then he goes to Tampa, which is an oddly structured contract because it was one-year guarantees, basically. And then he gets well, a taste of winning. Well, he had that ACL injury, right. yeah. Then he gets a taste of winning with New England. And you start going – Okay, he's been through it all before, so now that he knows what it's like to win, this is the most important thing to him. And then I remember started to think about it. You go, wait a minute, Woody Johnson, who loves his toys with the Jets, his guy just won a title with his most hated rival, and now Revis does have a ring. So why is he going to do some kind of Belichick-type discount, some oddly structured contract There's to no make way. it all work? And the more you start thinking about it, you're going, they're going to cut him such a huge check, he is going to be right back to the Jets. And that's why I think the Kevin Love stuff that we've kind of talked about a little bit and that What's the scenario? How does the storyline change depending on what they do this year? And I just see a guy that's still in his prime getting benched in the fourth quarter. And even though everything I've heard from Cleveland over the years, the last year, more importantly, has been pretty much on point, they seem to think he's coming back. And I'm not hearing that he's not coming back. I just see the situation and go, why would he come back? Well, and also he's not going to say anything to anybody if he wasn't coming back. But the, the Revis thing, he signed for $12 million. It's a freaking bargain. 
Belichick, of course, he was going to sign him for twelve million for one year, basically. That's the only way Revis is on that team, right? Because if it's Revis some... had said, "I want twenty million for one year." Bel- like Belichick has this internal thing in his head of what everyone's worth, and if it goes one cent over, he's out. Oh, wait, wait, see ya. I'll, I'll do. I'll get. I'll do better somewhere else. And it's like they got rid of five starters: Shane Vereen, who had eleven catches in the Super Bowl. Who seemed like he was really va- a valuable yeah, security big, blanket big on pace to be the new Kevin Falk. Giants come in with some contract. Belichick's like, you're out. So he, that, he's just always going to be that way. But the Revis thing, I agree with you. I think people forget this. You win a title, that's it's gravy after that. You just want to win a ring. You don't want to know. I mean, you might want to win four rings. You might want to be wired like Tim Duncan or somebody. Yeah, and but, if you're the quarterback or you're the face of something, yeah, I, and, I get and it a little like bit more. It's like part of a legacy. But if you're a corner. Yeah, and I think he's the best corner in the league. He again. won. If, if let's say there was the Emmys for radio, and you do they have you, those? I don't think they do. God, it would be a lot of white guys at the banquet, <laughs> though. It would be a lot of white guys in bad jackets <laughs> and a lot go, of bad breath. Yeah, I'm like, man, I got to get out of this. A lot of bad breath, just people with chicken wing <laughs> finger on them. Uh, but let's say you won the the Emmy Oscars for sports radio. Hmm. This prestigious thing you've been building your whole life toward being on that show, and you win it. And then ESPN's like, so uh, discount again? And right. you're like, no, actually, I, actually, I'm good. I won, I won my award. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm, I'm actually done paid. with discounts. What I'd if, actually like to sign for the most money now. Yeah, what if they came down and they go, Simmons wants to trade you for Summer Sanders. And then I go, <laughs> Summer Sanders. <laughs> like Bill really thinks we can get her rolling again. And yeah. We're going to move you out. Wow, Summer Sanders. Yeah, I was trying to Did come Did not expect her, her to be mentioned in this one. Good. Um, huge for a brand. But anyway, I fully supported Revis. I, he helped win the Super Bowl. We had him in a great deal. He left. Great. Kick his ass in the Jets now. Kevin Love. So you think that means if they won the title, he's more likely to leave or he's less likely? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think that it's presented that way where you go, well, if he wins and he sees that he has a core here and he can do all these things, the numbers are still okay. But when you see somebody that was supposed to be, I mean, guys are arguing he was a top five player in the league and he's getting benched. I don't know that there's a win-lose scenario where he goes, well, I won, so I want to stay with this core, or I won, so now let me move on. I think he sees himself going, why am I on the bench for some of these games? I can't do this. I'm a, I'm a top guy. I'm supposed to be a face kind of guy. Well, we should also mention just how unprecedented that is for the NBA. I've been watching the NBA for 40 years. This was a guy who was one of the 10 best players in the league last year who put up a 26-13. and 13. In a 30-team league, he's one of the best 10 guys. And they benched him multiple times in crunch time. And it's like, I guess like the only parallel I can think is Phoenix in the 93 finals. They benched Kevin Johnson a couple times because he had like was a section eight in that series. They put Frank Johnson in. Other than that, I don't even remember a parallel. And I would think he's not one of the best five players they can put out in crunch time. Now, I understand. And defensively, the crazy thing with Cleveland on this tear now is defensively, they're still not that good. When, yeah, you, when you look at better. some of their efficiency numbers, yeah. uh, they're still a lot lower than you would think for a team that could win a title, but I'm, I'm not writing them off. I just feel like the Kevin Love thing and all the stuff that happened this offseason, it, it was so packaged. And I don't blame LeBron and his guys for orchestrating this stuff. I mean, I know you make the LeBron the GM jokes, but if you can get LeBron and you can have a good team, then maybe we're in this new world of, of this is kind of what you do. I know people don't really like it. But it was always that it was the understanding, well, if you're giving up these assets for love, he's on board, 
after the contract's up because but you we can't have do a the Joe guy. Smith. You can't do the Joe Smith Glenn Taylor thing. No, either. no, I'm not saying that would happen. Yeah. That's, that, I'm they, sure there was wink, wink. Hey, right. if it works out, obviously we take care of you. But I don't. Think you have can... to have that call, right? Yeah. If you're Cleveland, you have to have the call with Love and his guys going. If we're going to move Wiggins, okay, and technically another number one pick in Bennett, but that's not going to mean anything. What the number you one know? pick was was a legit pick. That was yeah. the Miami pick. No, I meant Anthony Bennett. Meaning. No, no, I'm just saying like they they gave up because now love for Wiggins, you'd get laughed out of the room. Like just one for one would have no chance. Right. It's funny how wrong we were about Wiggins. Well, you didn't like him at all. No, I. I but I liked him. I thought I, this is what we do with draft when you have loaded talents like that. Like it's going to be seventy percent they make it, thirty percent they don't, or eighty twenty. And I think the more, you, the higher you can get with the percentages, the better I feel. And I think Jabari for me was a hundred percent. For I know he can be a twenty point scorer. See, I changed my mind on those two guys a lot during the course of the season because I, I think Jabari was the better basketball player, is more polished, and he Wiggins we all knew athletically better. Like he had a better feel. It just seemed like I've seen him. Who's the better basketball before. player? Wiggins drifted. And I'd watch games where I, I didn't know he was out there for seven minutes, you know, and that's a that to me scared me. But then seeing him two months into the NBA season, you'd be like, oh, okay. You all you'd have to see is really yeah. movement. And yeah, he's quick. A couple couple weeks in, I go, all right. And I I thought Cleveland was going to take him number one as we get close to it. And I thought, all right, I get it, I get it. But he had if, the highest ceiling. Yeah, and, but if you look back and think of all, you know, guys like us that just love the draft, if you think back of all the mistakes you've made. You you usually make the mistake because you just go that guy's such a freak athletically, right? And the thing is, is Wiggins is a much better student of the game than you realize because you're only talking about a guy that's one year out of Canadian high school, and actually he could have been a senior in high school last year. He also had he, he had some NBA ready stuff, right? His defense was really good in college. Yeah, the great thing he about could post up from time to time in college, which I was like, wow, this guy's posting up people already. When you think about when rookies get benched, it's usually because they can't play any defense. And yes. then you go, if Wiggins' offense is behind, well, it's not going to matter as much because he can go out there and guard guys. And you see him switch. There was that Clippers game where he got switched on Paul a few times. His footwork's just great. You know, he's just great. And he has a couple moves in the lane where just beautiful spin moves that are way ahead of how what his age is. And and he yeah, yeah he was a little bit of a you know hard dribble one two dribble guy, and then the kind of step back jumper that people didn't really love. But the thing we we can kind of forget sometimes is. When you go to be a pro and you care and you just get to work on all that stuff and refine it, where you don't get to do that as much in college, it's pretty clear with him the the light is clicked. And by the way, you should never be getting benched in the T Wolves, no matter True. how bad you are. So he was never in a spot once the trade went through. You had to worry about minutes, especially with other injuries. One other great thing happened to him, though, and I haven't heard anybody mention this. Um, Cleveland gave up on him. Actually, a good thing. That that's a little light under the old ass, you know. It's like, hey, cool, we get we're getting LeBron. This is great. Now, actually, you're not going to be a part of it. He didn't want to play with you. That's good. That 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 happened at the right point in his life. I also thought he really handled those six weeks with the right level of class and kind of dignity. You know, like he was twisting in the wind. He's doing press conferences for Panini, whether he's wearing a Cavs jersey, but we think he's going to get traded. And Yeah, that went on uh, for a little while there. It really there. did. And, and it was the kind of thing where it wasn't a what if, it's when is this going to be announced. It felt like a character builder a little bit, though. Yeah, um, and he, he handled it really well. Minnesota, of course, took a dig at Kevin Love. Yeah, I know. Because they had to, and they go, he's going to be here forever, his family's moving up. But always- I, do you think, like, 
I, I do think the and I'm writing about this in the trade value a little bit, but the minutes LeBron has played because he's over forty thousand minutes now. There's really no track record of anybody being good at fifty thousand minutes. Like once you hit that number, it's over. And I and I do wonder if LeBron saw like that was like a we have to win now trade. The right, but I don't think I don't think you keep Wiggins. Okay, but it's easy to say that now after we've seen Wiggins. But if you're LeBron, no, I, said, I wrote it at the time. I, I wrote. I thought they should have kept Wiggins. I think that Wiggins for Love trade would have been there in February. They weren't doing getting a better offer than that Minnesota, and I would have made sure Wiggins wasn't a superstar. And now, what if they get him in camp for a month, and it's like, oh sh. What do we have with this guy? We can swear on this? Yeah. Oh. You can totally swear. Drop an F-bomb. Feel good. Spread your wings. <laughs> um, but but what if, uh, what if what if LeBron fell in love with him after two weeks? That trade was sitting there. It was. It was. And I, I know what you're saying. And it was funny, too, when all the love pursuit was going on. What would on. Belichick have done? Mm, he would have signed love when he was 32 for the minimum. For $5 million a year? <laughs> Belichick would have kept Wiggins and seen it. This sounds really good out loud, but you're dismissing some other factors and that you were still Le- competing. GM LeBron. Them. Okay. And even though the Celtics stuff, it was always great when it would say the Celtics are no longer in the running for Kevin Love. And you go, yeah. oh, thanks. Okay. Appreciate that. Not yeah, quite yeah. sure what they were going to do there. Our uh, pick poo-poo platter <laughs> right, wasn't right. was working for you? Daryl Morey has, has decided to, to pull back on the rights of, of – Clint Capella for this potential <laughs> Lighten up the D-League. Right. Everyone lights yeah, up the D-League. He's okay? really lighted up. Yeah, but when you look at the D-League numbers, I love when so-and-so gets called up and he can't like, – I think Powell had a 30-15 and, and 15 game, the kid that was traded in, oh, yeah, in the yeah, Rondo yeah. deal. Yep. Uh, and, and every time after a while, I'm like, man, that guy's doing really well. That guy's doing really well. And I go, how, how come every D-League call-up is, is getting like 28-14? Because they all play fast. That's all it's they like do. It's like the early 60s where Oscar did the triple-double. It's because they were averaging 140 points a game or whatever. If you're Cleveland, you don't know who else you're competing with. You don't know who can pop out there. At that time, you think you're acquiring, acquiring a top five, top ten guy in love. So you don't want to mess with it. So to say, like, let's figure out what's going on here with Wiggins – and then we'll make sure he's not a star. I get what you're saying. I selfishly wanted Wiggins to play with LeBron so badly. And I also kind of wonder, too, like you hear these rumblings, if Wiggins had signed with that agency, would he have been involved in the trade or they would have found oh, out another? I, I, I'm just going to say it. I don't give a shit. I think that was like 70% of it. I think I think LeBron and, and that's Paul why you that have- whole side, I think, the, I think Wiggins turned those guys down. And, the, and those guys are like, all right, screw this guy. If, if he had signed with Rich Paul... Or if he had said, I'll move with Rich Paul, I bet where Andrew Wiggins is on Cleveland. I totally believe that. Tristan part Thompson of it. didn't get traded. Tristan Thompson did not get traded. Was right. he in the Sports Illustrated letter? He might have been. <laughs> he, was, he was a guy they were looking forward to playing with. See, I think they should have kept haggling with Cleveland to try to put Deion Waiters in that trade. Although maybe at that point, everyone in the league knew Deion Waiters was forbidden fruit. I don't know if everybody was down on Deion. I certainly wasn't. I just sold my condo on Waiters Island. That's I lived tough... in the same neighborhood with Zach, and is all the of a sudden, we're even up there. anymore. Zach and I had the only two cars in the neighborhood. And we're like, "This is terrible." Zach it's... sold his, and then I sold mine. My... He hasn't been any good with Oklahoma City. He might not be good. He yeah, might, his destiny might be good. Good stats, bad team. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna have a nice little run on Philly next year as they're tanking again. Because, but, but see, you know what? That's a fair thing to ask about Kevin Love. Because six he a good years stats, in, bad team guy. Yeah. He might be Demarcus. Oh, the only gets... problem is they don't post him up though. Like they don't use him right. I watch the Cavs. I'm like. He's not f***ing Channing Fry. But some nights when Post I watch him, him too, when they space him, 
And then he gets the catch, and he's in a better spot to take a three. And his shooting numbers have, have been better, but it's weird with him. He'll get this catch, and his up fake is really good. I mean, he's got all those little tools and all those little tricks, but you go, why are you up faking when you had it wide open on the catch from one of the best well, passers I think he's, he's rusty now, though. I think when, when you're in your own head and you're not playing the way you were used to be playing. So you know? do you have a problem with, with GM LeBron? If this is yes. what it costs to get. So if he wanted to well, go to the Celtics. Traded, the move for them would have been to trade Tristan Thompson immediately. You can't have love interest Thompson. Then we're going to trade him. So that's a that's a Rich Paul decision. And then giving Verja that extension when he hadn't played 50 games in a row in like but 10 he's a, years. He's a glue guy. That? He's a glue guy. But that's an expiring contract. They could have traded for something. So if he was. Jim LeBron did not do a good job. Okay, so you can call out the moves. I think GM LeBron got fired in like November. <laughs> I don't. Well, I, I don't think look, GM LeBron was trying to trade for Mozgov. I, I don't think David was, Blatt's the head coach. If they have the same kind of results by the end of February, see, and now, that, that, I'm going to get in trouble. This is one of those moments that whatever I say next is going to be pulled out in a blog excerpt. And well, that and happened the last time and, we sat and, down and, and did yeah, this. misinterpreted all that stuff. But I had friends that went to that Spurs Cavs game, and this isn't the first time I've heard this. You're talking about the one just last the week? The one that just happened. They were in the game in San Antonio, and then I saw them the next night in, in, in uh, Austin. And they were saying, they were near the Cavs bench. They were saying it's just weird. Just a weird, weird dynamic still, even now. Even though I think Blatt's doing a lot better, but it's like LeBron and Ty Lue, or the, LeBron is always communicating with Ty Lue. And they were like, it's just weird. It's like it's almost like Blatt and Lou are the co-coaches. If you think about what it took for all of this to come together for this team, and I would argue if if I still had a favorite team, okay, and if, if it was the Celtics, say, and you go, you can get LeBron, but here's all the stuff you have to deal with, you just do it because this is how special the guy is. But to so, think, so you're saying like if they don't win the Wiggins lottery, that's got to be one of them, right? They had a one percent chance or two percent chance. Oh, you mean for him coming back? Well, well you're so, just I, talking about all the different things that had to happen for LeBron to do well. Right, you had to or have for LeBron to come back. I mean. Right, you had to have Wade be who Wade was and miss a bunch of games, and you that was a factor. Fall okay. apart in the finals. Fall apart because I think if it's competitive, I think if it comes down to a seventh game, I always thought LeBron was going to go back to Miami for one more year and then revisit this stuff this year, then do a one with a one year option, just like he has now. I think that was. But, I think when Wiggins won the lottery, I think that was the game changer. And I always heard he wanted to play with Embiid. So they'd taken Embiid. So that was the weird thing where you That's go, wait a minute. Did he want Embiid or did they they know that Wiggins was who Minnesota wanted and that was going to get the deal done? Explain this to me. Why is he tweeting on draft night to, for the Heat to take Shabazz Napier? That's crazy. You're right. Obviously, at that point in time, he thought he was coming back. But I, I heard stuff about one meeting where Riley ran into LeBron prior to the Vegas meeting, which apparently wasn't very long at all when that LeBron was good. out there. He was mad about Riley saying that he was having a girl. That was another thing that happened. Yeah, well, God, get... this has turned into an NBA After Dark episode. <laughs> I, I apologize, Julia Littman and Chris Ryan, but yeah, I heard Riley had mentioned in a press conference, like, and his girl that's coming, but LeBron and his wife hadn't told the public yet that they were having a daughter. Yeah, and you can post that on mad. Instagram. I yeah. mean, that's a good post, and he just totally just... Spoiler alert. He's like, what the hell? That was he has 10 million posts. (laughs) But it was that. Drake was going to retweet it. You know what else bothered him, apparently? I have a lot of like stupid inside info on this, but when Riley gave that whole like Vito Corleone, you can act like a man speech. Oh, yeah. No, that didn't go over. That was the dumbest thing Riley did. That one made LeBron mad, from what I heard. Well, before the Vegas meeting that didn't work out, 
And that was the week, right? That was the week leading up to it. Because I had, but I thought it was over by the Vegas meeting. I think you know it was over. It was over. I think that was, was a formality. Yeah, exactly. That's that was that's, like going out to dinner with your girlfriend when you know you you were moving all the stuff out of your house the next day. Right, right. What do you want? Hey, hey, let's have a meal. <laughs> but he apparently had run into him and he was just ice cold to him. And this is weeks prior to that. Yeah. So he's going wait. What's what's going on here? So if you think of the timeline, you're right. The, the Shabazz tweet was really weird, but. I feel like famous people now, because of social media, they just like just doing stuff. It's like Mark Cuban tweeting out a pic of, of some some bet that he made on the Super Bowl where he won. I don't even remember how much it was. And it was it was like handwritten. And anybody yeah. who's ever placed a bet at a casino goes, what what is that? Right. But I'm not saying that that's what he was doing with Shabazz, but it doesn't make any sense in the timeline of all the other things that happened. But then, but if I you think a- you're leaving Miami, you look like a dick if you're telling them who to take. <laughs> right? So now you're just calling him out as a dude uh, instead no, of whether or not he actually made his decision, uh, his decision. No, my point is I don't think he did. I don't think he knew until July, and I think it happened really fast. I think something happened or maybe accumulated stuff. I think something happened with Cleveland where there, somebody reached out to somebody, and then when they got Gilbert in that room on a Sunday, it was done in five days. But I think that's how fast he decided. I don't think this was like this master plan of whatever. I think it just all of a sudden snowed, but then he was out. It was almost like when you, you break up with somebody and you're just like, oh, my God, I just broke up with my girlfriend. What happened? It's it's weird because that Sunday prior to the Friday Sports Illustrated letter, I felt pretty good about him going back to Cleveland. And then Chris Sheridan, who you know we know, and I mean, I don't know him personally, but know his work. It was funny because a lot of guys that, that had more of a forum now still being in the ESPN were saying, well, he can take that risk because he's not – it's his own thing. And it felt like people were trying to like a shoot roulette, him down. Roulette wheel. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, like, like uh, everything on black. Yeah, it's 50-50 yeah. for him, so why not take the shot and and get the, the recognition for it? And I heard him do an ESPN radio interview, and he was really convincing. But I was hearing the exact same stuff. But it was really hard for me in radio just to say, Monday, he's going to Cleveland. And then I said, educated guess, it's Cleveland by the end of the week. Then Wednesday, I was like, it's going to be Cleveland. It's going to be Cleveland. And then the Did letter comes out Did you ever think that it was Cleveland all along? Like to the point where um, there are all these little tiny signs over the course of, I don't know, the season that maybe it was headed that way. There are people that will tell you that, right? I don't believe that. Because the Shabazz Napier tweet alone makes me think he didn't know. I really think the Wade thing had a lot to do with it. I think him showing up to the arena, ready to go, and then Wade, whatever, you know, less than an hour before tip, going, not going tonight. And they're fighting for a seed. Yeah. And they, then they, they abused him last season. Right. And then LeBron, LeBron I mean. gets dehydrated in that Spurs game in the finals. And now it's a spot for Wade going, This was the plan to rest you all this time. So you're ready to go Where right now. Yeah. Take over, help out here. And then it didn't happen. Now it's always turned me like I've become since you and I started talking about the Wade thing and how he has the best gig in sports because all anybody does is talk about the sacrifice and how he had a hand the team over well he handed the team over to the best player in the league okay so yeah. it's not that big of a deal right. and everybody respects you and everybody knows you have the ring before him so when LeBron's throwing up two Wade's always throwing up three and it was genius it was one of the great genius and he never took chess hits. moves ever because yeah. when he wasn't playing well it was because he was hurt <laughs> he was, was also it. he was amazing in 2011 I thought Wade was awesome I actually thought Wade might have been better than LeBron oh I'm not denying how great this game. guy's been no but I, mean, I think part of it was like when he convinced LeBron to come, I think he thought he was a better player in the moment. 
And then he's like, and then eventually when I get older, LeBron can carry the load. <laughs> but I think when his his body started breaking down right after that first year, it was never, and that's when it shifted. It felt like. But could you blame anybody? Um, he had to have thought about it. He had to have thought about being back in control. If we go to Cleveland, we're going to do, uh, get to do whatever we want. It's not going to be that way with Pat Riley, which you know seems a little ridiculous. But if a team's willing to let you just do whatever you want, then I can understand why why he'd want to go back there. But. They just got so run out of the building against San Antonio. And the shooting numbers that San Antonio had are just something you just don't see. I knew when they started Ray Allen, they were done. And you were in there, too. You were in the building for it. I and, was. And you could sense that. I remember you talking about it going, this is kind of a weird vibe in here, right? I said, uh, I remember after game four, I said, I thought my the Miami fans made a big mistake leaving that game early. Because I didn't think we were coming back. And... And that was the two two one 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 that year, right? That was the first time they were doing that. What are we talking about? Two years ago? No, this year. Oh, this year. This these last finals, they lost game four. They're down three one. Right. And all those Miami fans left with like eight minutes to go. And I and I think I said this after the game. I'm pretty sure I did. Like that might have been it for the LeBron Wade era. Like they might they should have stayed and given That's a pretty standing good take. ovation. Yeah, because I didn't think we were coming back. I just thought like. I was like talking to different people that I trusted and just what I was watching with my own eyes. I was like, this is, this reminds me of Detroit LA. And I said that on TV too. It was like, everybody keeps waiting for this to flip, but Detroit LA 2004. Never happened. It never happened. It was like they had figured out this other team. It just got worse. And that's the history of those kind of series. But, um, I, I may have wagered a lot of money on San Antonio Game Five. (laughs) I don't know how many studio analysts have ever bet on a game they were doing, but. I might have been in at San Antonio in that last one. I might have stepped in. That's not even insider intel. It's just that's just smelling the room, man. I'd have stepped in. You can see sh- stuff in person. Also, that San Antonio, and this is why I haven't counted them out for this season yet. I because it's just a hard place to play. They they have the best fans. They do. Their fans affect the game the most. They have the most normal people in the stadium. Still, Golden State has great fans, but when they get to Round two, round three, you know, it's going to be sitting in the good seats. Rich people. All the, all the good fans are going to get priced out. So you're, you're right that. about that, San Antonio. When you just see kind of the, you get the cameras rolling the, the walk up, you're right. You got regular people that are obsessed with this team. Give a they, they know. It reminds me of what the Garden used to be like way back when, where like you could kind of sense your team's going on a run and you jump in and it's like you become like this gang of bullies. They're the only fans that do that still. Miami, actually, I was shocked by how decent. My, Miami was a bandwagon crowd when it was going well. They were actually really good. Like they, LeBron would feed off them, and they had some, a little bit something going. You but, start playing that, and I think the Celtics have a crowd like that. Yeah, when I was there, you Isaiah know, Thomas, the way you know, yeah, Jay Crowder in the Yang. corner, Jay Crowder. So who are you picking to come out of the West? Because I think we had the same NBA Finals matchup before the season started. If Kawhi can make threes, which he has in all season, and he might have a really messed up hand. But from what we've seen from Parker the last two weeks, I think they now have to be taken seriously. And, I, and I'm and i tired of losing to the infrastructure. But I still think Golden State, what they're doing, like the track record of the season they're having says finals. It's like when, you, when you're point that differential, point differential right. you're going to win 67 to 68 games, whatever they end, end up with. They're going to have the MVP because Curry's getting it if they win 67 games. Um, all the track record says finals. But... 
the the team, the Oklahoma City in round one, if they're healthy, I think is a real issue. But I don't think they're going to be healthy. Yeah, why would we say they're going to be healthy? Because why? it's just do we know if Durant's healthy? Like, no. And even when they're healthy, okay. So say Durant and Westbrook are back. Now this Ibaka thing adds a completely different level to this. Although he was the weirdest thing ever, where he was done for the playoffs and he came back two games later. Right. He is superhuman. But I've always been worried, and this is kind of where I'm at now with teams in the playoffs. Is that how many scores do you have? How many guys do you have that can actually get something going on their own when everything breaks down, game right. three and game Crowd's four? When, yeah, and, but everybody knows your sets, and they know yeah. which like you're setting screens in game four that nobody even like they've already figured out how they're going to navigate around it. And over the years, Oklahoma City would always play with two zeros on offense, whether it was Thabo. You know, and they they go with Robertson sometimes, although they play star and they don't play as much. They would Perk. play Perk, and you go even with guys as dynamic as Westbrook and Durant. It felt like it was harder to see them score in the playoffs. And yeah. I don't think Brooks. I always feel like the head coach's job, one of the jobs, one of the important ones in game, is when it's going tough for your team offensively, find something to make it easier. Get some movement. Right, you're watching. Help these guys get an easier bucket, and they don't do that. So even if they're healthy. I'm not picking them against Golden State because Golden State is the most adaptable team offensively. We mentioned they're the best defensive team the last two years. And they can do this small thing they're doing with Draymond at center where they're actually insane defensively with that group because it's not that they're small necessarily in the front line traditionally if it's Barnes at power forward, but it's Barnes, it's Draymond. And then it's Iguodala at the perimeter spot. And then you got Curry and Clay. So you're actually really big and really long everywhere else. And that's why that lineup's worked so well defensively. I like that lineup. The, the track Livingston, record, you can play him. Great you can bench. Play, then you can play Curry off the ball. And they're running some stuff where Curry's catching it. And you're going, oh, this is why my shooting numbers were insane two years ago. Harrison Barnes to, is back. Right. Yeah, after playing with four backups all the time because Mark Jackson refused to ever play him right. with the other guys. And, and I, love, I love that Golden State had the guts to go, Mark's done a good job. We have turned this thing around, but we think we can be better, and there's some things here that we really don't like, so let's go ahead and make that move. And I think a lot of organizations would have gone, okay, even if we want to make One a more move, year. we can't do this because everybody's going to kill us. Mark's in the media. By the so. way, Oklahoma City did that with Scott Brooks. Let's be honest. Well, I, I think that that's a front office. He does everything we want him to do move. Right. That's exactly, it's like baseball now with these managers. He, I mean— I can't I, believe he still has the job. Well, you just laid out for— with Golden State, with the ISOs, with the Mark Jackson, this to me is the is the fly in the ointment of Cleveland, and I know everybody's going to be like, "Oh, Cleveland's going to win the make the finals." Of course they are, Kyrie's, but like, it's all one on one. And when they if when they're going against Atlanta, and if you did you watch that Atlanta game? Yes, everyone's just one? counting out Atlanta. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know who Atlanta, I'm picking right the, now. But all I, the I, stuff I, they did in that game, it's like that's all going to happen in the playoffs. They figured out what to do on on all that stuff, and, and the they argument made them go one on one. The Cleveland argument in that one, if you look at the schedule, is that where they were coming in and what it's Atlanta fine. had rest wise. But I'm with you on Atlanta. I'm telling you today, if it's Atlanta, Cleveland in the West, or that would be weird. Eastern in the Eastern finals. Conference Finals, yeah. I still don't, I don't know who I'm picking today because the Atlanta stuff is real. I'll it's, tell you this much: if Atlanta's like plus three hundred in that series, I know what I'm betting on because I think that's a dead even matchup and I don't like betting on ISO. Ball. How do you have this gambling problem and still have all this money? What are you talking about? I oh. win when I gamble. That's oh, okay. what I have now. <laughs> uh, but the Kyrie's the X factor because when your second best player could just win a game by himself, that's a freaking X factor. Does anyone finish at the rim in more probable ways He's, than he does? 
he's he's I'm so mad I was late on the bail. I just I wanted to see him be on a good team. I think that's a fair request by me. But I don't think it's wrong to see a young player. Can I player... see somebody play well for a month on a good team? <laughs> just one month. But when you see Kyrie it was funny because he goes, we don't need LeBron. And then a couple of years of getting beat up and not yeah, even like, tasting yeah, when you go, yeah, yeah, we sent him back. But uh, the, the Kyrie thing is different because we've all had to change the way we've looked at point guards. And I still have buddies that are arguing about, well, he's not a true point guard. You go, right. let's just stop Doesn't talking matter. about it. The, the league, the GMs don't talk about that anymore. They go, who cares about it? Well, you need at least one person who's aware of the greater good. Right, Harden, you, for, right. for all the, the stuff he's putting up, that guy is a fascinating offensive player because right. of everything he sees. He makes the right – you need right. somebody who uses the team correctly. Right. And for Cleveland, they have LeBron. And I think they've figured out now how to use Kyrie in this kind of – all right, this time you score some points. Oh, he's hot. We're going to ride you. And other than that, he doesn't really handle the ball that much. Because there are a lot of guys that are quick. There's a lot of guys that can get an angle – but most of them can't finish at the rim when they're undersized. And Kyrie does this thing. He shows you the ball and he pulls it back and he Bends just it. he comes yeah. on the other side of, of it and you just go, He he just finished that? Yeah. And it's all he does all night long. And I it's honestly I think it's the most important part of his game. But Well the, and and the and when he can go like eight for eight from three. Right. Because his uh his three point numbers have been insane. But if you get back to Atlanta and I'll admit, the beginning of the year, I mean, it's always hard, right? It's always hard to figure out when something's new. Is and this so, really and work? Re- we've seen regular season success. Sure. It doesn't translate to anything more than that. Sometimes you need the extra gear. Yeah, they're smaller up front with Horford and Millsap. But again, now that Horford's healthy, people are seeing how special this guy is. He's incredible. You look at some of those defensive numbers Anchor. and what he does for them. And he's so smart every play. But most of the stuff you're watching every night is all high ball screen and some variation off of it. I mean, sometimes somebody will run something more complicated. A lot of like taking advantage of a lazy defense or somebody making a mistake or somebody checking out for a second, and all of a sudden there's a layup. Or the Thunder leaving Perk in to roll with, with Horford right. or Millsap, and you go, if I'm at home watching this. But that's what's so tough about Atlanta is that when you're having your bigs out there with, with Horford and Millsap, and those are the screen setters, T can get to the rim, and he's he's Other pretty good. Other dudes can. So can Schroeder. Right, right. Schroeder's a little. He's one of your irrational confidence guys. I love he that has guy. To be, right. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He might actually be the the starting point guard this year. <laughs> but he was going. I went to a Clipper game. You love him. He went at Chris Paul, and I, and it was almost like he wanted to get in a fight with Chris Paul. Like he's like, I'm gonna really put myself on the map. I'm gonna get Chris Paul to punch me. I was like, the kid's like 19. I met him at German the combine. German loves poop. Yeah, loves it. Was obviously going to go with that line in a second. You beat me to it. But I met him at the combine. Remember, he had that weird thing, and you go, you ducking out of this? You teeth? You know, what's going on? And he was like, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Just didn't, yeah. wasn't getting into it. But if you go, so you go high screen with Teague, who can get to the rim if he has the angle off the screen, if they don't play it right. And then you have Horford and Millsap, who can catch and finish because they're just more mobile bigs usually more mobile than who they're going to be going up against, or they can both pop and hit a shot from the outside, and then you have the corner action. If you have the guy drive off the screen and the defender sags, and now it's one-on-two offensively, and then you have corner shots because somebody else has come off of them, that's going to be hard in the playoffs, is and my point. Right? And you that's left still out, going to be hard. But you left out Corver, too, who is this just ex Percy Harvin X-Factor, or what we wanted Percy Harvin to be, where when he's on the field, everybody's like, oh, watch him. You know, everybody's flipping and pointing. And you forget him for a second, and all of a sudden he just made another three. I love Corver, and in today's game, he's appreciated. And, he's appreciated now. He's been, our, it hasn't been as good as he was before the All Star break, but no. But in our childhood, Corver's the guy where you go, oh, we got Corver. 
Oh, well, okay. he's Randy Whitman in our childhood. Yeah, but see, the great thing about Corver is that Corver is is big enough that he doesn't kill you on the other right. end. Right, that's, that's he's a not very like, underrated part of his game. Not like a six-one dude. Yeah, yeah. I think Atlanta's going to be interesting, and uh, yeah, the Celtics are going to be there. And um, I love that you don't want a lottery pick. Why? It's, fu- it's you're just burnt. It's you're burnt from Duncan. Spots. You're burnt from Odin. Well, you, I just think once you get past the ninth pick, I think the odds of finding somebody from ten to seventeen, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, but Chicago, Chicago. Look at last year. Chicago traded two picks up for McDermott, and one of the picks was Nurkic, who's better than McDermott and is a better asset nine months later. I mean, that was, you think that was a like, difference, though, of a team going, we need to add another score. We need perimeter score. That's a here. trade Belichick would have made. Yeah. Belichick so, would have made. Oh, you're going to give me 16 yeah. and 19 for yeah. 11? Sure. Done. I'm in. Nurkic. Man. I'll hit with one of those, too. Nurkic has been great. We have a lot of bad. He's the only untouchable on Denver. I know. <laughs> I love when we go, everyone's available except for Nurkic. I know. The other guys feel so great. <laughs> I uh, I would have been trying to trade frantically for Fareed. I think Fareed on the right team is going to be a monster. You want to I just want to see good, him on the right team. I want, him, I, I want him like on a 42, 45 win team. I want to add Fareed to that team. Did I, when I came out here and did the first part of the trade, Trade value, value special, special yeah. which I think was what a year ago because the second part it just really came was. Out. <laughs> we did that. We taped that on like what February eighth. Yeah, so. I think Kyrie Irving's still moving up. He's moved up twenty one spots. That's that was the, the day of the Rondo show. trade. Yeah, that's that was the show. It was great. So I had a Rose topic with you that we never did on the show, and you had Rose where you didn't even put him in it. Right, didn't put him in. Didn't put him in. Oh, forty two the next two years. Okay, and this is before the most recent injury. Forty two million. Yeah. His, yeah. his contract the next yeah. two is at 42. I'm just off the top of my head. Uh, but what I was going to say to you on that, we'll just say it here, is that never underestimate new owner syndrome. And that with is Rose. with Rose. Sacramento? Well, Do they know. still count for new owner system? Or I think just so. Dumb yeah. owner system. Yeah, I, I think we can still put them in new, <laughs> new owner syndrome. Denver's not necessarily that. Oh, but, panic owner syndrome. But what if Denver said, hey, let's get our medicals to look at this? And they oh, go, Jesus. oh, it looks better. Hey, it looks really good. I mean, I can already read the Change newspaper. Change the scenery. Changes. We get Rose in here. We've got a star. We, get to, we yeah. get to put Rose with a jersey. And hey, all this new TV money's coming in anyway. So who cares about his 40, $42 million? What are you thinking? Like Lawson and Fareed? Lawson and a piece and whatever. Uh, Lawson so, and Gallinari? Gallinari, if he ever gets right, man, look out. He's gonna, no, Gallinari is going to end up on the right team at some point. He's a in his good life. player. The like, funny thing about Denver is they have like seven of those guys. I'm still They're dumb enough end to up think, on the right team. Dumb enough to think if you had Bargnani in the right system, you, you well, know, stretch four. Like off Kelly the Olenek bench. and the Celtics. That's how, if <laughs> Brad Stevens had ever gotten Bargnani. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Kelly Olenek on any other team is Bargnani. Actually, uh, I ran into Olenek out once. Yeah, he was just very polite. There's no, there's no great story behind it. He wasn't dressed up though. They've put a, they put a preeminence on chemistry with the Celtics. Yeah, because I think how I, do we get back to this team again? Every decision, <laughs> the audience is thinking that you're too. not, you're not buying. Before we go on a full breakdown of the Celtics offseason plan, they could be 15 and six in the last 21 by Wednesday. <laughs> what? What do you think of the Rose stuff? You don't you don't think that there's one owner that could talk? Look at these guys. Oh. I mean, Lakeup, who has now shown that he's he's it won't more, be Golden State. No, I not, think Denver is a good candidate. Obviously, it won't be Golden State. No, Denver's a good candidate. He maxed out David Lee because it was new. Hey, I got a team. Let's go do something. I mean, Cuban for all the love he gets, he gave Rafe a ton of money and wanted Dennis Robin to live in his guest house. So when you're a new owner, you cannot help yourself. So, so who are the new owners? Uh, well, you guys I mean, in Milwaukee are pretty smart so Philly far. Move. My guys? Yeah. 
Well, you you just you broke the trade. Oh. Broke the, that I was, was, a, I was I'm with, not saying they're your guys, but you broke that ownership. I, thing. I did. I was with those. You don't get enough credit for that. I'm not getting enough credit either when Atlanta goes for 1.1 billion, um, which I've been saying for three weeks. Uh, Milwaukee. I was with those guys until they did the MCW thing. I don't think Kid would trade for Derrick Rose though, because I think all the, you know, that the players they kind of know it's like how animals can smell when another animal's dying, like they they have like a scent. <laughs> I think the other players have that smell. I think like somebody like Kid could watch Rose and be like, Nah, I don't see it. I, I don't think he trusts his body. I know that's the crazy thing about this is if you're trading for Rose, you're not trading for the guy from three years ago. And it, I hate saying this about a guy in his prime. You're trading for a jump shooter. A- age wise, you go. He's what's the safer bet that he gets way, back to that guy or he's he, or he's he's kind he's of been a this guy for two years now. This was the right. guy in the Olympic trials that they or whatever they had before the world championships. And they were panicking because they were like, we can't. This guy's not one of our best players. And they had to do this whole spin control thing. Right. They, they showed that layup the where he went time. coast to coast. And yeah. you go, hey, he's back. He's, well, he's back. He's yeah, back. He's not the same I hate guy. the Derrick Rose story. I hate it. But there's no way I could sit here. I don't think either of us are saying but to say, well, he'll get back now because the the meniscus is out and rehab. No, he's you had know, too many you, surgeries. Are when, you kidding me? When I had Penny Hardaway in the BS report before this last Rose injury, and he was just like, he, "It's never going to be the same." I know it. I never trusted the lower half of my body again after certain. Like, it's just the track records. Not good. And that's why Westbrook is still again superhuman because he has surgery, and you don't even know. I don't even know what injury he's supposed to be getting over. He had a dent in his head, I and know. he played. It was Friday, and he played Wednesday's game with a dent in his head. He, that guy's I, stupid. I feel like we're going to be telling stories about him 40 years from now. Like, I hope like, so. Like the way people talk about Jim Brown. Like, you, remember when Westbrook <laughs> broke his neck and came back the next game? His vertebrae just healed? I think he was a sniper, but I'm not sure. If you Remember had when a, Westbrook's leg came off and he put it back on and he played the next night? It's all gonna happen. He'll be the only starting lineup figure with pieces that you can take off of him. I know. I would just never rule Kids him still out. Still buying starting lineup? Is anyone going to get no, that reference? That's over. Okay, they're, they're all on eBay now. Uh, you had the greatest line I think I've heard about Westbrook in going back years, and that is, and there was even a time for me. I think it was that Memphis series that was an insane series years yeah. ago, where you go, "What are you doing, man?" And he still has it. He's never going to lose that part of it. That Portland game that they lost up there a couple Fridays ago. Yeah, I watched the end of it. The numbers were sick, but. He just went down, and he's going. He's going one on five. But you can't take that out of him. You can't ask him to do that, and then ask him to be all the other things. You just—it's impossible. And you had this line. You go. His mistakes are so kind of in your face, glaring and obvious to anybody that's watched basketball, that people hold that ten percent against him yep. and ignore the, ninety the ninety. Nine. Right. Yeah. It was a great line. The ninety percent versus the ten percent, and the ten percent just really stands out with him. Were, I think there's certain guys like that. Rondo now is not no longer a ninety ten guy. I think we thought he was, but he's really now like a forty sixty guy. Because like when you have Sacramento's going to sign him, I think the Lakers are going to sign him. I think that he's a Laker waiting to happen. I think that was done when they had breakfast at the. Uh, I thought Broadway, that breakfast didn't happen. The Broadway. Oh, it happened. Yeah, I think Rondo's going to the Lakers, and I think it's going to be a big mistake. And I think the way basketball has gone, and I've written this recently. If your point guard or your guard or whoever, you, like if it's somebody who's one of the, if he's a guard that's one of the most important players in your team, and he can't shoot foul shots or get to the rim or or make threes, if he can't get to the rim or make threes, you're in major trouble. And this is why I didn't like Reggie Jackson. 
It's like, what does he do? I'm looking at his free throw attempts. He doesn't really have any. He's a 32% three-point shooter. So what do I have? I have long twos? Like, we've already done a, <laughs> the 10 years of we've research. Long, long twos two don't story. work. Yeah. You yeah. better be able to do one or the other. And this is why I love Isaiah Thomas. Threes and layups. That's where basketball is going. Got to be able to do one or the other. And if you can do both, you're in good shape. A Thomas type, though, some some coaches, scouts types will tell you playoffs – more aggressive traps. Yeah. They just hate the smaller point cards. We saw it. They played a good team that shut them out, um, that shut them down. I can't remember what it was. It was, oh, Golden State. Fourth quarter, they just took, they just figured out. They took the ball away from him, basically. He couldn't do anything. I forget. Was there, wasn't there was there a DJ Augustine playoff series once, too, or just yeah. – I remember he just got trapped, and you go, oh, okay. It was the different. Chicago uh, Indiana Pacers? series yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, and you just go, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to – Wait a minute. Or Chicago, Washington. Chicago, Washington. No, it was Washington. Last year. I mean, freaking Randy Whitman figured out how to stop DJ Augustine. I remember I used to like Washington. This year? Yeah. When you, you, your coach has to be above us of C minus. I don't think Wall's right, though, right? Wall hasn't hasn't looked right. Doesn't matter. They're so poorly coached. But I thought there was enough offense there. See, I'm I'm now more of an an offense guy. I mean, you can't be terrible on defense, but I'm. I'm more of an offense guy what's now, and that's, that's what's crazy about Dallas is that the one thing you would bring a point guard in to do, yeah. and they were rolling offensively, and now they bring in the guy that you just described, and you go, this isn't going to work, and they're not going to re-sign him. Well, full circle back to your initial point about legacies and storylines, because this is what Bar- Barnwell likes to write about this for football, where football is turning this sport where one, somewhere between five to seven teams starting in the month of January – any one of those teams can win the Super Bowl. And each game comes down to one play. And it's like you look back, Detroit easily could have kept going. Dallas could have easily kept going. Green Bay should have won. Still can't believe they lost. Baltimore easily could have beaten the Pats. Seattle came within one play of beating the Pats. Like So six teams could come out of that season and say, ah, it could have happened for us, and but this happened. And I think the West... I think you're right. I think the West might end up being like that a little bit. Golden State's in the best position to succeed because they have home court. They're going to be tough at home. I think Curry's going to – seven-game series, Curry and Thompson will win two by themselves just by shooting. That's exactly how I feel about it's it. It's so they can, hard to beat that when you have that. You look at Dwight and you go, okay, you know, I know nobody likes him anymore. But you think if Houston and Memphis meet up, you're going to be thrilled you have Dwight. But when I look at Golden State, I see all these different scenarios. You go, I can see him matching up with this team. I can see him yep. matching up with this team. I see him going small. Memphis I can see him is play the problem Curry for them, the though. Uh, yeah, but but Memphis Bog- hasn't been playing well. Bogut feels like a maintenance thing all year long, just to make sure he's okay. And if he's good to go, you can't guard Zebo with Draymond Green. That's the one. Play, no one, one guy really. in the league he can't guard. If you also have to guard Marcus. But that means you're just going to have to have Draymond set up or you run some stuff for him where you make it brutal for Zach to chase him all over the place. Right. So, And Zach, Zach is the kind of guy, like, I, I appreciate him more and more watching him just because you go, he's got zero lift. He goes right into you. I know. He's this lefty. He has every single trick in the game. And I think I had a tweet, and I know it's always awesome when people reference their own tweets from the past. but Or when the Sports Network runs the tweets under highlights and stuff. They, ESPN Why do never, we do that? They never run any of my stuff. I try sometimes when I'm just locked in on a Saturday. I go, what would be an espn type tweet that they would retweet on the bottom line? And then they'll retweet Marshall Henderson's stuff, who's like one of the most hated athletes ever. And I go, Marshall Henderson's getting getting retweeted, and I like work. I'm 20 Why minutes up the street. Why they retweet good tweets, though? They, the tweets are always like, Marshall Henderson said, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's like that needs to be in the ticker. <laughs> Dwayne Wade said, "Good luck." Well, my favorite is when we had one of our guys read that they were like, 
if LeBron James tweets about anything, we're like, okay, wait a minute, we're gonna we're Here's, gonna have to the bump, king is waiting. <laughs> we're gonna bump Mike and Mike. We're gonna go. Well, that wouldn't happen. We got to do some live coverage of LeBron's tweets here, and then. One of our guys reads it. And Live it goes, coverage of tweets. <laughs> it said, you know, LeBron's watching somebody else. And, and it's always great, too, when, when the stars are kind of at home tweeting and they're watching the package yeah. just like we are. And they're like, Jared Bayless going ham. <laughs> and yeah. one of our guys read it. Because <laughs> nobody knew what ham meant. Or, con- or congrats to Clay Thompson. <laughs> Unbelievable shooting performance. Those, said Dirk Nowitzki. Right, right. Okay, right. I'm glad Dirk made it. Yeah, I don't just, know. There's got to be some reason the ratings must go up when they do that. Patrick Beverly, sick entry pass, SMH. You know, Al Horford. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm going to laugh every time this happens. See, now, now i got to try to figure out how to do it, but I can't because it's going to be my account. So they'll just go, oh, it's it's Rosillo again. You I was know? so happy. I was watching the World Series poker live table, and I did a tweet, and they used it in the telecast. I've never been happier. I was, I was like. No uh, way. My underwear. Yeah, we my gotta, whole family's asleep. Now that's gonna be my new goal. It's to get on Sports Center with tweets. I gotta with the next big shooting performance. I'm gonna tweet like Steph Curry nine threes. <laughs> Holy mackerel! But that's the thing I don't understand is like some of these guys that that cover teams and they live tweet a whole football game and they'll go third and seven. How big are they play. watching the game? You can't do it because when I get caught in like a stupid Twitter thing when I'm watching my games at home and I've got my basement all set up, then I get mad at myself and I rewind the plays because I go, I just right. missed something. And then I go, put the stupid phone That's away. That's basketball Twitter. Basketball Twitter seems like people are listening to the game while they're tweeting and reading the tweets. But see, that's what I'll do sometimes really hard now. To watch the games and look at Twitter at the same time. Because the football ones drive me the most crazy, though, is I'll do a... And I'll just do it. And my friends know what I'm doing. Guys like yeah, you would yeah. know what I'm doing, but nobody else knows what I'm doing. And I'll go, huge third down. Right. Because somebody tweets that. And you look at somebody's feed and you go, you cover a team and you have 90,000 tweets. And you'll actually tweet, huge third down. Big play there. <laughs> Kept the drive alive. <laughs> like, oh, seven retweets on that big third down. It would be funny if I'm Twitter. Reaching, I'm reaching out. What would Twitter? What would people do if Twitter announced, like, as part of, an, of of a concerted effort to make our product better, we're going to start cracking down on on people who tweet too much and tweet dumb things? I'm all for it. That's great, right? I have a rule, kind of, where I start to follow more people because I realize it's really not that big of a deal to just scroll through things. And if there's a guy in the industry who I kind of like and I see that they follow me, I go, I can follow him back. Yeah, you know, we don't have don't have to. Well, be you Jay can mute Dillis them now. Here. They have the mute button. Yeah, that's right. The mute button. Mute button's um, great. Pretend you're following somebody, but you're not. Do you? How many guys are you muting right now? No comment. <laughs> There's definitely a couple I was really excited to mute. How do you handle an unfollow when you just go, I I can't do it anymore. I'm unfollow Because if you're following somebody with your reach, then that person's probably psyched that Simmons is following them. How do you handle... I just wouldn't unfollow them. You just wouldn't. So you're following people right now. I don't now check that- Twitter enough. So it's like a, it would, wouldn't be worth it for me. And you don't look at your mentions, right? I do not. Do you turn it off or you just don't? Is there a feature to turn it off, or you just don't look at it? I just don't look at it. I can't imagine. It's what the it's same. Like for it's, you. it's the same reason why I don't look down at a porta john. <laughs> when you're when you're peeing in a porta john, you could look. Down. How do you aim? You take a quick look and you pee. Okay, you just gather. you could stare down and be like, "I'm going to make sure I hit everything," or you could just look up there and be like, "I'm not looking down." Those are Twitter replies. Uh, It'd be fine if it was a if it was a good sampling of all the different people, but it's not. It's not a fair sampling. I don't, I don't think it's. it's how tough. often how often do you reply to people's twitters or tweets? N- not 
very often, Twitter, but so yeah, like no. a ninety-year-old. <laughs> Keep that in. I, I meant Twitter, and I went with the S. Yeah, I mean, how often do you? I was doing the podcast with my dad today. Let's say it never worked out for you, and you were a bartender right now in Boston. You're like, in which your was really close. Late thirties, but yeah. for me as well. Yeah. You're in your late thirties, and you're just furious about the three things that happened that that prevent, and, they, and it never worked out, and. You're like an assistant manager at the greatest bar on earth. That's your job. You get to go to Celtic games sometimes. Um, would you be on Twitter and sports blog message boards like murdering announcers that you hated? Probably. Yeah. I feel like I would have been too. If my career didn't work out, I would have just been lurking everywhere just like just poison. When we were in college, we used to call and leave. We learned this horrible thing. But at ESPN – so this is mid to late nineties. Like I was really like I was you'd probably like I don't know if you, you probably were the same way. If if it was a certain guy that you liked, you'd watch a sports center. I think we're all the same. We watch yeah, it yeah. over and over and over again. If Kilborn was doing one, Kilborn was the I could watch it me. a third time yeah. and be psyched. Like the Love lines Kilburn. coming, the lines coming. I remember he had this line once where he goes, he was leading into a baseball highlight and he goes, We all remember our first game, Little League. It was great. He goes, Dad gave you that glove, you're hanging out. Maybe it was that guy, Mark, that wasn't married and hung out at the park a lot that gave you the glove. Anyway, <laughs> you go. That was your lead in? What you know? team was Pooh Richardson on? Uh, Minnesota? Minnesota, yeah. Wasn't it? I remember one night Minnesota played somebody and I was at a bar and I actually left the bar because whatever time the sports center was coming on, I wanted to be there for the sports center just because I was so excited for him to do the Pooh Richardson highlights. Remember when like, yeah, Kilburn were doing Pooh? There screamed. was like this year-long thing. So anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but not not your Vetus, not my Vetus. He's our Vetus. So, used to, used so to Kilburn bother. was my guy. Yeah. So, but here's what we learned. If there were guys we didn't like, we would leave them voicemails because you could get to the direct voicemail. You would call <laughs> you ESPN. Would yeah, we'd call them. We'd be hammered. We'd get home. <laughs> So if nobody hooked up, you know, if you're sitting there eating subs yeah. in Burlington, Vermont, you know, it'd be 2.30 and you go, you know, get me on the blower and, you know, you get a home phone there yeah. and you, you had a hotline and then you'd get directly to their voicemails. So we used to crush guys. Remember one of the biggest ones, we used to get mad at Rich Eisen for doing a Hartford Whalers accent and we go, whoa, 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 dude, there's no accent in Connecticut. There's none. There's no really Whalers. There's yeah. no, like back off. And we would he let would him do know. a Hartford Whalers accent. Yeah, he did this weird thing when he did a Whalers highlight where he he would do this kind of accent. And, That's ludicrous. And all of the guys, like once all the guys in school knew, you could just call and leave direct voicemails. So you're right. So the general point that the stuff that you know you deal with, where it's constant. The only thing I don't care if somebody rips me or is just mean. I only care when it's somebody saying I said something that I did not say. And, you know, the Chip Kelly thing was was a big deal for me last week because – I don't know because I never followed this stuff. Yeah. What happened? Well, Stephen A. had suggested that I, people I, I were talking that about – Right. Yeah. It would be kind of hard to miss that one. And I don't know if it's because I've met Chip a bunch of times and I love him because he's a New England guy. And I also think he's one of the smartest fit football people going around. I can't really back the Sam Bradford thing and then all the running backs. But prior to that – 21 million for DeMarco? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we also have Ryan Matthews who's never Ooh. seemed to finish games. Yeah. But – Prior to that, when you go Macklin, McCoy, Deshaun, I mean, we even, it's 2015. We were sitting here arguing why Deshaun fits into a team or not. I mean, come on. But then when the race thing was brought up, and then you kind of do it in a way where it's presenting it, but what you're really doing is you're asking, is race a factor in the way Chip Kelly's keeping Riley Cooper and getting rid of these other guys? 
And I started saying, well, look, Riley Cooper's $8 million guaranteed on a five-year deal, which is peanuts in today's NFL. And, yeah, the base escalates, but he's a big guy, blocks on the outside. It's important ship system, all this stuff. And then that turns me into, oh, figures, Rosillo, you know, racist. And that's when you go White with guy the, from Boston. Right, white Riley guy from Cooper. Boston, right. Absolutely. Chris Mullins, my favorite college player ever. Yep. Barkley's my favorite athlete ever. So, you know, that kind of trumps the Mullen one. But – that's when the social media stuff. You can. It, I think it's hard to every day never be bothered by it. Well, you you must deal with this doing the radio show. It's bad, man. It's really. We've talked about this before, yeah. but I think all of us as hosts are doing this thing where we're kind of like check in on it, and it's as if you're writing a I've story heard, and, and and posting it before it's done, and then asking for feedback on a paragraph. But you it's just did. it's not the right feedback a lot of the time because I've heard ESPN radio hosts. It's like I was in a conversation over the break with people on Twitter about this, and it's like, and then. Taking, Some guys will have the deck up while they do the show. Right. But but it'll be like, and these people think, and then it's like, just because like four, like, like yeah, hot right, pants right, 69 right. agreed with your Riley Cooper take doesn't mean her. that that was the right, whatever. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I wouldn't I'm, look on Twitter if I was doing a radio show. Yeah, but we do it, man. You it's, can't. It's you shouldn't. No, I try you to stop myself You guys make a sometimes. pact. A wolf pact? Just stick to, stick to your guns. What do you care what people on Twitter say about it? For the most part, we're pretty good about it. But the other thing is that every now and then when you're a little little dry on topics, well, then a, I guy, can see a guy will go, you know, people are saying, and you'll be like, this one guy had a terrible take, and you're like, I can get seven minutes out of this. <laughs> so that's the selfish part of it. How many times does that happen a week? You're Too like, many. we got to get eight minutes. Well, Cowherd's whole show is based on it. Yeah, but Coward, but Coward always has an angle for each segment. He's like, "This is the segment where I come up, where I talk about my weird theory about this." Right, and if you listen to that's him, that's actually why I like that show. No, I everybody thinks Colin and I don't like each other. We actually do really like each other, and I think what he I like does, him too. What he does is harder than what anybody else does. Well, you and I both think it's a weird talent. I've said this to him His, to be able to go solo for fifteen hours a week. It's the hardest thing to do. And the I funny think it's thing is, possible. I guess I can't I, even do intros by myself. I've said that on the air a few times, and I guess a couple guys. And I, you know, I'm not going to name anybody, but some some longtime Sports Center anchors were, were. I don't know if it was offended or they thought I was trying to like pump myself up for what I do, but that oh, you know, Rosillo thinks that radio is the hardest thing to do. I go, no, 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 not, not what I do sitting with Scott every day. Okay, yeah. it's it's hard to every day be locked in. And think you know what's going on because Scott and I pride ourselves on watching a ton of games. You don't want to sit there and start saying, oh, Atlanta, Atlanta's not even going to make the playoffs. And you go, dude, are you kidding? Like those those talk show hosts, you go, why do you even have the job? If you clearly are this detached from sports. EI why- would have that whenever they would do, try to talk about hockey in the 90s. There was, there was like this one-week window where they all had to pretend they were following what was going on with the Bruins. <laughs> well, you know, as long as uh, Andy Moog's going to... So like, they go no, as far you, as Moog will take it, them. It was yeah, like yeah, they yeah. don't say these hockey cliches. Yeah. You knew they were watching. So whenever I think about Cowherd, I go, I did a lot of solo over the years. And the industry's getting away from it because it's so hard. It's so hard to find guys that truly are for three hours a day without any gimmicks just to be interesting. So what Cowherd does is the hardest thing. And, and some people took it as me somehow insulting other elements. Elements of it. And I go, you know what? I've done a bunch of different things. I've never really been the traditional anchor, but I've had to anchor stuff. I've had to yeah. write for a deadline, which is brutal. I've had to do um, analyst work, which which is the easiest thing to do, really. I mean, if you care about watching the game for two hours, you're sitting in a room and then you go out on the desk, like figure a few things out and point it out. But um, Cowherd, Cowherd's awesome, but he has insane theories and he and I argue in the hallway all the time. Yeah. He has insane theories, but he goes on every show thinking, these are the 10 insane theories I'm going to say today. 
I think there's I think that's a talent. You have to kind of have that weirdness in you to be able to say every day for three hours by yourself, I'm gonna I'm gonna be worth listening to. I mean I've had segments where I'm by myself halfway through it going you're terrible right now, dude. You're awful. Stop talking. Well, it's like, like well, two minutes in, two minutes in, fight with five minutes to go, and you're and you went down the wrong path with some, and then you got to sell it. I when I coming try- up, I'm going to explain <laughs> to you why the NBA is like Seinfeld right after this. And you come back, it's like, so the Spurs are George Costanza. It's like, no, this isn't working. Oh no, he's got seven guys to go. Oh god. Tiago Splitter's a lot like Banya, and here's here's why. Oh, please, please, just audible. Yeah. Happen, can a trade happen right now? Yeah, because your producer's going, all right, got to go in another direction. You're like, I got all these index cards, so though. I wrote these down in the I haven't break. even gotten to Elaine yet. Uh, it, I had a – look, my first tryout, and this is a long, long thing, but I'm not going to do it here, but I got laid off in Boston. It was awesome because I turned down a couple other gigs. I was going to stick around at the station. I was finally going to be able to pay my bills, you know, yeah. and it was like, wow, I'm going to make, you know – Finally, a decent amount of money, get a new car. Because I was broke, man. Broke, yeah. broke, broke in this business. And they were so dirty to me. It was sporting news. They like, here's your contract. Here are the terms. We're psyched to have you be a part of this. Month goes by. The papers never show up. And I call. And a guy I'll never forget, he started waving a stack of papers in the phone in the background. He's like, it's right here. We're just crossing the T's and dotting oh, the I's. They were the worst. And a week later, I get laid off. Yeah. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Now yeah. I'm freaking out because I go, I finally thought I was you know, actually going to be able to pay bills, go on a vacation. You know, yeah. it, when you're not making money in this thing, it's it's bad. And uh, I went down to ESPN and I tried out and I did two hours solo. And they asked me, they go, have you ever done solo before? I go, yeah, all the time, man. Never had done it. So I, I would never be able to do it. I would I would lose my mind. And it I think it's a really weird too. talent. Um, but I always judge all radio shows by am I jealous of – the points they're making do i hear a point every once in a while i wish i had thought of is there an angle i'm different i'm not saying i'm normal i'm just like no did that's, somebody see, say an angle where I, I get was... mad when i hear a great point about something where i go i should have thought of that yeah, so yeah you're absolutely right i judge everything by that and it's like if i'm listening to a radio show and and i'm not hearing any points that i wish i had thought of i'm not going to listen to the show i think it's weird to listen to a show that you don't like or <laughs> hey listen yeah, like hate listening is just a weird. <laughs> Driving your car, you're going to hate listening to a show. It's just weird. Just I'm turn not in the a channel. bad enough mood yet. Let me get something that will really yeah. bum me out. Ah, these guys are going to make me mad. But I think a lot of people in Boston would hate listen to the radio stations. Absolutely. I think people I, hate listening to Felger and Maserati. Yeah, see, I know Felger really well. No, so I think I, they do a good job, and I think people like listening to them. But I also think people listen to them because Felger makes them really mad, and I think he knows it. And sometimes oh, he'll he knows troll them. He absolutely and he's knows like it. playing the whole all those people like a cello. I spent a lot of time with Felger when we used to work up at Comcast. So yeah, we'd have these stretches where we do the early show. You do the six thirty, and then you stick around and do the eleven. So I go to the Burlington Mall by myself. Yeah, yeah. Give it food. I'd come back. I'd watch a game, and I was. I always really liked him, but he was the kind of guy every now and then he'd be like, all right, you can leave the office now. He was kind of like um, – he didn't want to – he wanted to just hang out and do some paperwork. He didn't want to have to talk sports all the time. And right. I'm going, man, can you believe that screen that <laughs> – he's going, you know. Yeah, it's okay. just, take a break. Yeah, just take a little break from this. And I remember he's – I was complaining about the industry. I go, you know, it's just one day when I grow up, I'm just going to say crazy stuff and then everybody's going to love me and say how talented I am. Yeah. And he goes, you ever think – 
that maybe your thing's never going to work out because you want to take it so seriously and you want everything to make sense and you want to be rational all the time. And some of the best guys, the most successful guys in this business will tell you the best thing you can do is just be incredibly wrong to get all this attention. So I don't think that Felger says I want to be incredibly wrong. Or to take big swings. Right. I think he's the guy that goes, is that – can I, can I can I get a show out of this take today that's that's against and it's so easy to do it in Boston too when you decide to be even though he's been there forever he's still seen as the outsider because the guy was in Wisconsin but I, I really like him as a guy so even when I'll hear him say something that drives me crazy working with him all those years I go oh I, I know what he's doing but so I can't ever know, get mad at yeah him that's more. the thing right. but why don't the listeners know what he's doing because and Boston's been like this for it was there the entire time I was there. But we are the capital of the hate watch, hate listen. But the Boston people, that, I mean, the Boston shows, it was like even like the Patriots would win the Super Bowl, and then the next day it would be like somebody would come on the radio and be like, and I remember listening to the radio when this happened. Somebody came on like, I don't care. They still didn't make the right decision with Bledsoe and Brady. <laughs> like she's going right in. It's like right. they just won the Super Bowl. Right. That's, that's what are you talking about? When you have the guy the next day goes, okay, that was a great run, but this is not sustainable. <laughs> right. It's just the, the turn the punch bowl wet blanket guy. I remember and once, Boston media is just full of them. We had Emmett Smith on doing NFL stuff, and it was the year after the Pats had lost to the Giants the first time to go eighteen yeah, yeah. one, and he came on and he goes. I think the Patriots learned that that attack offensively needs a little bit more balance this time around. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're going, what are you talking about? They it's went like 18 and 1. Okay, they lost on two ridiculous plays in yeah. the same play. It's they were pretty good. Yeah. But the 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 connection that I think you and I have, and I'm not from Boston the way you are. I lived there. I'm from Massachusetts, but But you, we've we you logged like your Oh yeah, that's kind of where I post college. Eight years I was there, maybe? Or... Yeah. You need to be there for in your 20s to really get it, I feel like, when you're smart. Yeah, 26 to 33. Yeah. yeah I'm, trying, I'm trying to think about it on the top of my head. Because the first three years I worked at ESPN, I drove back and forth. Because yeah. I wasn't doing it every day. So I'd live in a hotel down there. And then I'd come back up and get a million parking tickets because I was part of my car at four in the morning. I'd come yeah. half. So that was fun. But when you think about the stuff, like we start as, as guys from that area – you start by hating everything first, right? And you think about it. You, you, if you're from that area, and I think other guys do this around the country, but you look at a girl and you go, okay, you know, could I get her? And then you look at every guy and you're like, could I take him? <laughs> That's where you start. So I'm like, okay, if I had to fight that guy, how would I do? And then you go, okay, this is my friend Todd. And you're like, hmm. You got big, kind of a big neck. Like, all right, well, maybe I'd have to get him good once from the ba- right side. Baggy shirt. Yeah, I can't right. tell how he's built. Right. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, you kind of get past that. So I never had that DNA, though. But my buddy J-Bug, we would be at bars. And occasionally, like, some guy would sit down with us, especially, like, when we were in Charlestown. And the bug would just kind of gradually do this. He's just holding onto his glass. And I'd always be like, why are you doing that? It's like, hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> He'd have this, this or ready the to bottle. Use glass? Or the bottle or whatever. Just like. You know, just before, as he sized them up. Well, that's up. a whole other switch. Like, if you're Bug starting take, to use glassware, you know. Well, just to make make sure, because he didn't know, you know, if you get somebody who's drunk. Yeah, but you're when smart. When he took the you're hand the bottom. So I've somehow never been really cold cocked or punched. But there's still time. There's still time. We, 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 can, we can go out tonight. Bill Don't Lie <laughs> is wrapping up. I think this is it. We just did 10 minutes on uh, the Boston radio media scene. Right. It is I amazingly think- unhappy, though. 
God, it, it's so sordid. It's a good fallback for you and I, though. If this goes really badly, there's some decisions the next few years. Like you and I would be like Simmons and the kid, you know, <laughs> 50 this... years old, and then we're going. I still think Adrian Griffin's one of the most underrated players it's... in NBA history. I'm waiting till my 50s. Triumphant return. Like right near the end, I'll have like a bad hair piece. I'll somehow lose my hair. I'll be like a hey big man, swoop. I'm already there. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> we'll, great. We'll have matching hair pieces. Yeah, we, could, we could sit there and have pre-show meeting at the four. We'd be live from the fours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With Troy Brown. Get ready for, for Bruins training camp. Now, what current Patriot would be on that show now? Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to think of him. It would be like Dominique Easley 20 years from now. I could see Stork Center. That's a good one. You know, seven, eight-year career. Well, Gronk. Gronk will be on. Gronk will be a legend by that point. I feel like Gronk's going to have more opportunities. Zolak's not negative, right? Isn't Zolak, like, half-decent from a positive positivity standpoint? Yeah, he's, he, you know, I, I feel like I I'd like Zolak if I lived there. I like Zolak as a guy. I've met him a few yeah. times. And uh, I think he's great on the po- uh, on the broadcast because even though he's an incredible homer, it's so passionate yeah. that it feels a little more genuine. Whereas I like that. Some of the NBA nights where you're watching League Pass, you just go... Ugh. Like league pass, bad team, home announcers selling you on the future is the bane of my existence right now. I heard Joel. My- I watched the Horn- the uh, Pelicans game last night with Joel Myers announcing. You think Joel brings it more when it's fan night for Tuesday? <laughs> no question. I notice a peak. Anthony Davis made the game tying shot or go ahead shot from like eighteen feet, and Joel's like, "It's a three. And the other guy was like, "That wasn't. I, I think that was actually a two. He's like, "No, it's a three. The referee had a stand up." <laughs> they changed the score to two points, and they're like, let's look at a replay. And he's like, no, it was the three. Watch, watch the replay. The referee has his hands up. It's like, Joel, we're not, can you just can you just tell us if it was two or three? Local announcers are the best. I think Sean Grandy's going to murder somebody soon that he doesn't have a local announcing job. Like, he'd I'm literally worried. be I'm one worried. of the five best announcers, he's period, awesome. national, local, anything. And then you have Joel Myers calling an 18-footer a three. I look, Randy. You know we're both huge fans, and I. Whenever you listen to his lead-ins, he's the best. When he writes ter- his own shit. When they're terrible too, and <laughs> they've had some bad stretches, and he goes tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks return, and if you remember February fourth, the last time they met, and you're just going, John Salmon's got free, and you're like, man, I actually might listen to this. <laughs> yeah. This is what? What? He's Who's being playing ironic. tonight? Yeah. yeah. So. So wait, last thing. Who do you think's going to the finals right now? If you had to bet on two teams, Cleveland, Golden State. I think I would still go Atlanta, Golden State. I love that you're saying Atlanta. And I'm telling you, I'm still, I'm not convinced of it. How many times in sports, especially the last 10 years, have we seen the nobody believes in us team? I know I've written about it a million times, but I think Atlanta has nobody believes in us potential. They're going to go into that Cleveland series. They're going to have home court advantage. Yeah, but doesn't every team believe no one believes in them? No, but that one especially. It's going to be like, oh, the the Hawks, they have home court advantage and they're four to one underdogs. Nobody's giving him a chance. No, that'll be a justified one. That'll be a real— It won't be Rodney Harrison after the Eagles Super Bowl win going, no, everybody counted us out. Like, actually, you were favoring everybody. Half of them are idiotic. But, like, when the Giants beat the Patriots, that was a good nobody believes in us. But I think the Hawks against the Cavs, that would be my fear if I'm I'm a Cavs fan. I'm Overconfidence. I'm a toss-up right now on those two. You asked me to answer the question. I gave it to you. I could do I, that I had classic. Memphis, well, I picked Cleveland at the beginning of the year. So. I had Memphis, but I told everybody I was going to keep changing my mind. Memphis, just I don't like the way they've looked the last two weeks. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. You know? well, I, I told I Listen, I'm going to change it again. Right now I have Atlanta Gold instead. I could change it tomorrow. Ryan Rosillo, SVP and Rosillo. Uh, 
What's the actual time it's on? I know it's on That's the West Coast. Man. No, what's the time it's on in the? I know the. Is it? I don't know. It's on, I'll just know when it's on here when I'm driving to work. I know how to download Grantland articles. Is it ten? No, Kyler's on ten to one. So you guys are one to four? Yeah, nice work. But it's 10 to one here. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's not time travel. It's I just three hours. That. It's been that way for a I while. Know, but I'm like, I don't... That was good. You got it. You were on the spot there, too. One to four. Yeah. And then you're going to be... You want to come on all the time during the playoffs? Yeah. I'd like Let's to be actually... better at that, because you and I are bad. And then you're on with Colin, because they're more organized than I am. No, well, you know what? It all depends on what I'm doing at the time. And sometimes I'll be driving home from coffee, and I'll hear Colin with some guests that I just didn't like. And I'll just text him, and I'll be like, I'm your best guest. And then I'm on we'll in do like that. 20 minutes. I'll text that to you. Do that for us. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Sad SVP for me. Bill Don't Lie. We'll be back. iTunes with a real art and everything next week. Check out for that. And uh, check out Grantland. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.